Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look into the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Jesus spoke these words to his disciples to help them understand that they were part of a process that God was doing in the world and had been doing for some time. And Jesus was calling them now to be part of that process. Of course, in the illustration that Jesus was giving, people are the crops, and the world is the field, and the word of God, the gospel message, is the seed that's planted. And Jesus told his disciples to open their eyes, to become aware, raise your awareness of the opportunities that are all around to help people come into his kingdom. Because God had been working in the hearts of people. Don't make excuses to put it off till later, but understand that there's opportunities right now. Jesus said, one sows and another reaps. And so in that, he was explaining that there is this process that is going on, and we are to be in partnership with that process. And that's why Jesus said, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for, Others have done the hard work, and you reaped the benefits of their labor. What was he talking about? He was referring to all those who had lived in previous generations, who had followed God, who had shared his word. He was referring to the prophets who had proclaimed what God would do and the Messiah and what was coming. And so all of this work, they went through persecution. They went through hardships. They did the hard work, and yet the harvest hadn't yet quite come. And now Jesus was calling his disciples to say, it's your job now to follow after this hard work that's been done and hearts are ready, and I want you to share the message, and you're going to get to begin to see the harvest come in, people coming in to my kingdom. But you're part of the process, and it is a partnership. You're not doing this alone. God has been working through many different opportunities and people to bring people into his kingdom. Jesus started by saying this, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest. So that was a saying they had back then. Of course, as farmers today, we understand the seasons and the, the time for planting and harvesting. But back then, that was kind of a saying they had. And Jesus said, I'm telling you, stop making excuses. Understand that you have opportunity right now. The fields are ripe unto harvest. God has been working and People are ready. So sharing the message of Christ is both a process and it's a partnership. You're not in it alone, but you and I are to take part in it. We're to be active in doing it. We are to participate. Here's the good news about this. It doesn't all just depend on you because we're not only in a partnership with other people, as followers of Jesus, we are in a partnership with God and his Holy Spirit. Jesus says this in John chapter 6, verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, 
And then in John chapter 16, verse 8, Jesus' words are recorded where he said, and when he, talking about the Holy Spirit, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So the good news is it's not up to us to do the convincing or the convicting. We are simply to share the message. It's God's Holy Spirit that will convict a person's heart. It's God's Holy Spirit that draws someone to him. We are in partnership with God's Holy Spirit, and so we need to trust his Holy Spirit. But again, we need to do our part because we're in a partnership. He has the power, but we are to bring the message. And we're also in a partnership with other followers of Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes this to the church in Philippi, all of the believers there in Philippians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. He writes this, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your what? Partnership. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Some translations say because of your fellowship in the gospel. But it means the same thing. We are in this together and God wants to work through all of us. You're not alone in this. Now he goes on and he says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and then look at this, this is really cool. He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Again, Paul is showing us this concept, this principle that there is a process going on. It's going on in our lives individual, individually as we're growing and understanding Christ and wanting to become more like him and do his work in the world, that is a process that we're all growing in. I'm still growing to this day uh, and will continue to. But it's also a process that's working in the lives of others. And so we need to keep encouraging each other. And the good news is, Paul says, I'm confident that Christ is going to complete this work in all of us. So we're called to participate in sharing the gospel message. Jesus said these words to his disciples. He said in John chapter 20, verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So let's think about that for a moment. Because Jesus is one with God. He has been in glory in heaven and all the wonders of the heavenly realm And yet he was willing to leave his comfort level, his glory in heaven, and come into this part of his creation that is broken and fallen, people who have walked away from him and rejected him. He was willing to leave his glory, his comfort, and to come into this broken, sinful world and to take on flesh and blood and become one of us so that we might know his love. He left his comfort and he became uncomfortable. And he took on this lowly position because of his great love for us. And Jesus is telling you and I that as the Father sent him into this sinful world to bring the message of the good news so that people might be forgiven and experience forgiveness and then they can receive Christ and then they can have a home in heaven, we are to do that. We need to be willing to leave the comfort of our homes and our couches and our big screen TVs and all of the conveniences that we have, and we need to be willing to sacrifice that enough to become uncomfortable and to go into the lives of people who are broken and who are hurting to share the love of Christ. 
As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So we need to be willing to look around for those in need. And it's not wrong to enjoy the comfortable things you have. I'm not saying that. But we need to not love those things so much that we just stay there and then we never do anything to help someone who is in need or hurting. We have to be willing to leave our comfort places and then go to those who are hurting and have that kind of love to share the message of Christ with them that they might know the love of Christ tangibly through us and what we do for them and also what we say. So we're in this participation And there's different ways of being in that partnership. Certainly, we can do it by giving of our material possessions. If somebody has a need and and you've got, you know, some extra clothes or something in the house or an item that is needed, you can give that to help someone in need. We've done that before for people who have experienced fires in their home or loss. We do it through Belpre Area Ministries. Those are some ways that we can share. Of course, we can share by giving financially into the work of the kingdom through the local church here, and we appreciate so much your financial giving, your faithfulness. It helps us to be able to continue to uh, focus our full-time, those of us that are called into full-time ministry, so we can continue to, to help and lead and guide and teach, but also to support missionaries that are around the world in difficult places, and they're sharing the message of Christ where it's needed. And that's why we wanted to put a focus on Operation Christmas Child this morning because later this month we'll be collecting, actually now until later this month, we'll be collecting uh, shoe boxes. You'll see a display. You probably noticed it when you came in. As you leave today, make sure you look on our mission table just as soon as you go out these back doors here at the worship center. You'll see a display set up, and I'm sure there'll be someone there that can answer questions. But we would like for you to collect some items for children you fill a shoebox, and you pack it, you bring it here. It'll be sent down to Samaritan's Purse, uh, one of their packing centers. Uh, we, we've worked there before, my wife and I, and there's volunteers from the church that go there every year to the packing center. They'll be going again this fall. And what they do is they take all of these boxes that come in from all over the country, and they'll go through them to make sure the items that are in there are age-appropriate and according to the culture it's going to go into. And then also they will have the gospel message put into that shoebox, and it'll be in the language of the countries to where they're going. So the children in those countries can read about Jesus in their own language. And it's going to people who are already on the ground there, missionaries who are working. So again, this partnership, these boxes will be going to those that we're in a partnership with who are sharing the, the, the gospel there. So it's more than just that one-time gift. It, it creates a connection with the people who are ministering in those communities to those children and ultimately those families. And this is a way we can all give and contribute in this partnership of the gospel. But there's more than that. We can offer encouragement by sending a text or emails to people who are in ministry around the world, to missionaries that are in difficult places. I know myself and the staff, the pastoral staff here has appreciated so much last month your words of encouragement to us, and and we really appreciate that. It does encourage us. And even more so, those who are in very difficult circumstances in the world need our encouragement and our prayers. Uh, Certainly all the missionaries that we support financially here as a church at Porterfield, that is another way that we can be part of the partnership. And then even today, 
we are having an event here this afternoon, hosting an event, because there are two young couples that Porterfield supports, and they are missionaries to college campuses. Uh, we support Jeff and Carly Barner and Jacob and Gabrielle Newton, who are ministering at Ohio University with Campus Crusade for Christ. And they minister not only on those campuses to college students, but they also minister to the sororities and the fraternities and all of that. So that's a big challenge. And they do that not only there at OU, but also here at Marietta College. We wanted to partner with some people that are doing ministry on the college campuses close to us. And I'm really thankful that today, this afternoon, there's going to be some workshops here that we're hosting that the Barners and uh, the Newtons have invited some college students to come to, and then it's going to be capped off tonight with an evening of praise music. So, And the, the evening praise music tonight at 6 o'clock is open to everyone. So if you enjoyed this music this morning, we invite you to come back at 6 o'clock this evening. Again, it's open for everyone to come to just an evening of praise music and worshiping the Lord. And uh, it is an opportunity also to support our mission trip for 2022. Uh, we're in the planning stages now of taking a group from Porterfield uh, over to Nicaragua. It's been years since we went to Nicaragua. In fact, 2005 was the last time we sent a group from here to Nicaragua. Uh, but we're going to be planning that. And so if you want to come tonight, we'll be receiving a love offering at the door. That will, All that money will go towards our mission trip to Nicaragua in 2022, Lord willing. So these are ways that we can participate in spreading the gospel. But here's what I really want to focus on beyond that. And this is challenging. It's going to be challenging to you. But you and I are called not only to just give financially and offer support and encouragement, but we are actually to be the messengers as well. You can't just leave it up to Pastor Mark, Pastor Eric, Pastor Adam, Tricia, you know, the people on the staff, your Sunday school teachers. God has called each of us as followers of Jesus to be his messengers because there's so many more of you than there are of just us. And we are dispersed, all of us, out into the world in different ways. There are people that you will come into contact with on a regular basis that I will never have the opportunity to through your work or where you live, in your communities, your friendships. And so God has placed you in those spheres of influence to become a messenger for Jesus. Don't be silent about it. Don't make excuses. Don't say, well, maybe another time. Jesus is saying, open your eyes. The fields are ripe unto harvest. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 17 says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is an awesome statement. That means there's no favoritism with God. It doesn't matter what your culture is, your nationality. It doesn't matter when you were born or anything like that. His salvation is for everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But you need to understand who Jesus is and what he's done. That's where faith comes in. And that's where they need to have a messenger to hear about Jesus. How can they know what name to call upon if they've never heard about Jesus? Or maybe they've heard about Jesus, but they have so many misconceptions about him. And this is what the scripture says. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? We can't just assume that people know about Jesus or they understand what the gospel message is or that they need to invite Christ into their life and be willing to yield their life over to Christ in order to have eternal life and salvation. 
How can they believe in one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Don't let that word preaching throw you. Because, you know, some people call me a preacher. I don't consider myself a preacher. I don't know if it sounds like to you this morning whether I'm preaching or not. I kind of feel like this is a preacher. Oh, that woke some of you up, didn't it? And, you know, y'all, y'all need to get on the ball. All right, that's preaching, right? That's what you think of. Unfortunately, that's kind of what we think of preaching. I don't consider myself a preacher. That's not my personality. I might feel it inside sometimes. <laughs> more calm on the outside. But I consider myself more of a teacher. But the point is this. I'm a messenger, and so are you. And so whether you look at that word and you get intimidated and think, well, I'm not a preacher, well, I'll tell you, neither am I. But I'm a messenger, and you need to be a messenger for Jesus as well. And that's what this is saying. That's the heart of this. How can people hear without a messenger? Somebody has to talk to your friends and your family about Jesus, and who's it going to be? Because maybe, just maybe, God is the one that has put you in that relationship because he wants to use you to be the messenger. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Or how can anybody take the message unless they are sent? Well, I just shared with you the words of Jesus, so I'm not letting you off the hook. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I send you So now I'm going to do the rude thing. I'm sending you and you and you and you. All right, you're called, you're sent. Can't use the excuse. We're all being sent to be messengers for Jesus if we have received Jesus, if we've received his love and grace and forgiveness and we truly believe he's the son of God and he died for us and he rose again, then we have a responsibility to be a messenger for him to others. Again, it doesn't mean you have to be Um, obnoxious with it, but just at least be willing to have a conversation about it with people. It goes on and it says, how could anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Here we see, even in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul saying that even, we're, even though we're sent and even though we have a message, there will be people that will reject it at first. Maybe they'll reject it totally, but does not excuse us from not sharing the message. We see that throughout scriptures. The gospel is preached. Many believe, but there are many who reject it. But we need to not get discouraged just because somebody rejects it after they've heard it for the first time or the second time because you don't know at what point God may convict their heart and they'll think about what was spoken and ultimately they'll come to faith in Christ because remember, it's a process. And just like you plant a seed in the field and there's going to be time for that seed, it needs to to get the nutrients from the soil. The soil needs to get the sun that will activate some chemical reactions in the soil that will activate that seed. And then the seed begins to grow and sprout and those biological chemical processes continue. Water hits the, the seed, the plant, the process goes, it grows and eventually it will bear fruit hopefully. This is the way it is with the gospel message. We need to not just tell somebody one time and then say, well, I guess I failed because they didn't accept Jesus. That's not the way it works. God is working through the process each and every time. So we need to be faithful. And in fact, this is how the Apostle Paul finishes out this little section here. In verse 17, he says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. 
Some translations say, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Of course, the word of God is that message about Christ. And so we need to understand that the more we talk about Jesus to people, and again, I realize some people might say, I don't want to hear it. Stop talking to me about it. Well, you can be respectful then, and and if they say that, that's okay. But there are many who they'll listen. They may not say they don't want to hear it. They might be resistant at first, but just look for the right opportunities. Keep praying, and just as a reminder, and over time, the Scripture says that's really how faith comes into our life and into our heart and into our spirit. We've got to hear the Word of God over and over and over, and that begins to help faith to grow within us until it produces a good thing in our life. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, don't raise your hands, but if I were to ask you to do this, how many of you accepted Jesus the very first time you heard about him? If I, if I would ask you to raise your hands, I would be shocked if I saw very many hands go up. So I don't know about you, but for me, it was many times. I, I heard many times about Jesus. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a preacher. <laughs> And I, I was like, you know, so I grew up with all this, and still I'm like, uh, how do I know that this is really true? I mean, I know I've been taught it, and I know my parents, you know, believe in it, but how do I know it's really right? There's a lot of religions out there. There's a lot of beliefs. And so I didn't believe it just because my parents believed it. I needed to think about it, and I, I thought it through, prayed about it, did some investigating, and my point is It was after many, many, many times of hearing the gospel that finally it reached down into my soul and my spirit. And in fact, I can't remember exactly the the way it was spoken, but it was actually one day when my dad was preaching, and again, that was just dad up there. You know, I hear him all week. So (laughs) there he is up there on Sunday, going on and on. But he was talking about Jesus And he said something like this, it wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the cross, it was his love for you and me. And there was something about that when he said that, it it struck my heart deep. And I began to realize, wow, there's no other religion that talks about this. There's no other religion that says that God loves me enough that he would give his life for me and that he would conquer death and that all I have to do is invite him into my life, you know, because every other religion is about me trying harder and you got to do all these things and you got to measure up. And I knew how I didn't measure up. And when I heard about the grace of God and the love of Christ, it touched my heart finally. It broke through that hardness. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Just thank you. Thank you for dying for me. Forgive me. Come into my life. And I remember that day, that Sunday it was like the weight of the world was lifted off of me. I can't explain it. And it's changed my life. And even from that point, I never thought I'd be a pastor. That was far this thing. You know, I was just, thank you for saving me, Lord. We don't know what path God has us on. But the point is this. How many times did you have to hear before you came to Christ? So please don't give up. If you've talked to somebody about Jesus once or twice, don't just think, well, I've done my duty. I, talked to, I, I said it one time, oh boy, I'm good. Let the Lord burden your heart enough to where you're willing to get out of your comfort level and to care enough about someone to talk about Jesus. I took a picture of some apples uh, on the table this week. It came, I, I heard this saying a long time ago. I'm not sure where I heard the saying. Go ahead and put that next slide up. 
I, I don't know where, this, where I heard this saying. It might have been at a camp one year that I was a part of. But it said this, you can count the apples on a tree, but who can count the apples in a seed? And you know, I, really, I got to thinking about that. So I took some apples this week and I cut one in half so you could see the seeds. Because I wanted you to get that imagery. Because right there, we could look at that picture and you can count, okay, there's at least one, two, three, there's four, the one I cut in half, there's another one back there. So there's maybe five, six apples there. We can count those. But how many apples are in that seed that you see? I mean, think about it. We don't know. I can tell you one thing. If that seed doesn't get planted in the ground, there's no apples in it. Nothing's going to come out of it. But if that seed is planted in the ground and it has a chance to grow, who can tell how many apples are in that seed? Because that seed might grow and sprout into a tree, and then that tree will bear many apples, and it's going to bear apples not only the first season, but the second season, the third season, the fourth season, on and on. Who knows how many apples? But that doesn't stop there because those apples that are on that tree, if they fall to the ground and the seeds in those apples get into the soil, they're going to grow more apple trees that will grow more apples. You see what I'm saying? Only God knows the potential of planting the seed of the gospel, the message of Christ in our loved ones' hearts, in our family members, our coworkers, our classmates. You don't know the impact that it may have. But I can tell you this, if you keep your mouth shut and you don't plant the seed, it will have no effect. Do you see how important this is? God wants you. He's called us to plant the seed, to share the message. He will do the convicting. It's not just up to you. He just called you to be a messenger. He'll do the conversion. So how do we do this? How do we work up enough courage? Well, one of the things that we need to do is we need to pray. We need to participate in the process through prayer. That is a big part of it. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, it says this, Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. Then it says this, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every top opportunity. That's talking about people who are outside the church, who haven't come to faith in Christ yet. We need to be wise in the way that we interact with them. Don't be obnoxious, but again, try to be gentle, loving, authentic, genuine. Verse 6, let your conversation be always full of grace, not sometimes, not when you feel like it, but always full of grace. Grace means undeserved favor. That means when somebody is a jerk to you, you still be nice to them anyway. When somebody treats you harshly, you still treat them with respect anyway. I know it's hard, and that's why I'm saying it has to come through prayer. You've got to pray and ask God, please help me, Lord, to respond in the way that you want me to respond. Because by doing that, oftentimes we'll get to a place where we've earned the right to be heard by that person. By the way, I wish that you would write this verse down and that you would read it over and over before you post anything on social media. Would you do that? If you're a follower of Jesus, I'm serious. Because it's amazing what we'll post on social media to people that we would never say to them to their face. Because people are a bunch of cowards. They feel safe behind a screen. But you look at somebody in the eye when there's a relational thing happening, and then it's a whole different ballgame. So again, if we're going, and, and then people wonder why that the world doesn't take Christians seriously. We get on our political rants, we get on all those things, and those are, you know, those are important issues. I'm not putting it down. But what damage are you doing to the gospel when you respond to people that way? Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders or unbelievers. Make the most of every opportunity. 
Let your conversation be always full of grace. Let your posts on social media be always full of grace. Seasoned with salt. That means you can have some effect. You can say some things that are true. You don't have to just be nice for the sake of being nice, but you can be kind. You can speak the truth in love in the way that you put it forth because salt has an impact when you put it on food. It has flavor. It has preservative effect. So it's not saying that we're just to be mealy-mouthed and wishy-washy, but we need to be wise, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit that does the convicting and the convincing. We, though, are to be the messengers. And so we do need to participate through conversation, and that conversation implies a relationship. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says this, but in your hearts... Set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So I want to go back to what I said earlier. Praying is really important. When I used to work at Chapman Printing years ago, before I was ever uh, called into ministry, I was a follower of Jesus, and I wanted to tell others about Jesus, but I am very introverted. And I'm very shy and backward. I know that people don't believe me when I say this. But still, and God has helped me to overcome a lot of this in my life. But still to this day, you don't understand on Sunday mornings when I get done, I love you all, but you don't know the effort it takes for me to do what I do inside. I'm not saying this for pity. I'm just, when I go home, it's kind of like, I crash. I need some time to rest and recoup. But again, God helps me with that. The only reason I'm saying that is if you're shy and backward and you're saying, well, that's easy for you, Mark, because you do it, but I'm not like that. Well, God can give you strength to do anything. And if you pray and ask God to give you the opportunities, you'll be amazed at what he will do for you. So when I worked at Chapman Printing and I was very backward and didn't want to seem like I was better than them or preachy or any of that stuff, I just prayed. And I would pray and say, God, help me today. You know how I am. You know it's hard for me to be you know, outgoing but just please help me somehow maybe send someone to me today or help me have an opportunity and recognize it to talk about you with someone. And it didn't happen the first day I prayed, but I prayed that prayer, and over time it was amazing to me what God would do. Someone would stop by my part of the shop where I worked, and they'd say things like, well, Mark, you go to church, don't you? And I'd be like, well, yeah, but what's, you know, what's that got to do with anything? Well, I just know you probably pray, and I've been having this problem, and I was just wondering if maybe you'd pray for me. And I'm inside, I'm like, are you kidding me, God? That, this is awesome. And so then I would say, well, sure, I'll pray with you. And it, and it opened up a conversation. And again, it, but it, it doesn't just mean that you've got to pray for people to come to you. You have to look for those opportunities and have the boldness when you recognize an opportunity. Sometimes it would be someone just telling me about a problem that they were going through when I was at work. And I would just simply say something like, you know, I'm really sorry to hear that you're going through that. Would it be okay if I pray with you? And I don't remember a time at work where somebody goes, nah, don't pray. And, and I, would either, I'd, I would either say, well, I'll pray for you tonight, or sometimes I'd say, well, if you don't mind, I'll just say a prayer for you right now if that's okay. And oftentimes they'd be like, you know, that'd be cool, thank you. And I would just say a brief little prayer. These are all ways that you're beginning to earn the right to be heard. Again, I wasn't a, per- a perfect person. None of us are. And that's what I want to mention here in just a moment. But before, before we wrap this up, uh, again, I want to be sensitive to time and all of that. But um, on your phones right now that you have with you, go ahead and put the next slide up. 
Um, if you've got a smartphone, whether it's an iPhone or Android or whatever, um, there is a really good app that you can download onto your phone that will help you to know how to share the gospel with someone. It's called Evantel. It is a website, but they actually have an app now that they've designed that makes it really easy to download onto your phone. And if you download that app, literally it will walk you through how to present the gospel to someone, how to open the conversation, how to talk about it. What's really cool is there's even a YouTube video that is on that app, and you can watch it, and it will like talk you through it. And as I was watching, I'm like, you know, this would have been great when I was at Chapman Printing because I could have just went to some of the guys I work with and go, hey, I found this really cool app on my phone. And would you mind if you just take a minute and watch this with me? And I would just play the video. <laughs> and then the video is like presenting the gospel for me. And then I would just say, you know, I, I actually believe in this. I, you know, I've come to believe in Jesus. What do you think about that? You see what I'm saying? There's all kinds of ways that you can present the gospel message because we're in a partnership. There's so many other people out there that want to help us and come alongside of us. And God's working through all those things. Another website is God Tools. Uh, I, I can't remember if that has an app or not. I think there may be an app you can download. And then another one is called The Bible Project. And that is one where if somebody is asking some questions about the Bible or they're wanting to understand more, uh, I know it's helped me even as a pastor. It's very concise. There are many videos available on YouTube through The Bible Project, but you can go right to the website um, and look them up. But what they do is they're like usually around seven minutes or less, and they will explain the books of the Bible, what the content of those books are. It'll explain Christian concepts. It does it with animation, and it's done really well, and it's a really good tool. These are all resources that you and I have to help share with our family and friends to share the message of Christ. So I want to wrap it up with this. When you talk about Jesus... Make sure, because they know your flaws and your faults, so make sure that you're admitting that right up front. Uh, in fact, the women's conference that you saw uh, the, the little uh, promo for there before the service started, all those words that were spoken, those women were saying, you know, I'm flawed, I'm pained, I'm sinful, but I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. And it's not an excuse to continue in our sinful behavior, but the point is we need to understand that God offers us something in his grace that other religions do not. So the Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 and 7. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Again, this shows relationship. When you talk to somebody about Jesus, don't necessarily talk about church, because people have misconceptions about church, preconceived notions about church. Some people have had bad experiences in church. Talk about Jesus. I think we got a good church here. We're not a perfect church. I'm thankful for what God's doing. So I'm, I'm not saying don't ever talk about church. But I'm saying make it about Jesus, not about the church. Talk about what Christ has done in your life personally. So we don't preach ourselves. We preach about Jesus or we tell people about Jesus. And then we do it with a servant heart. We do it with a willingness to want to help. For God said, let light shine out of darkness. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure, this gospel message, his Holy Spirit. We have this treasure in jars of clay. We're vulnerable. We're flawed. We're not perfect. And that's the amazing thing about God. He uses flawed and imperfect people to present his perfect gospel message. And that's how you can talk to your friends about it. Because, again, they know your flaws and your faults. 
But if they see the desire in you that you're wanting to honor Christ, maybe, just maybe, God will use that to get them to think more seriously about it in their life. We have this treasure in jars of clay that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And then finally, in Titus 3, 3 through 6, we got to make sure that we're communicating, look, I don't think that I'm better than you. We all are standing in the need of forgiveness. And that's what Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 6 says. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and desires or pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's all about what God has done for us. And we realize that we're imperfect, but we're so grateful for that forgiveness and grace. And we want to learn to walk in that. And we're not perfect at it, but we have a desire. And that's when I think our friends and family and people who are unbelievers will start taking us seriously when we're honest about our shortcomings and yet also be honest about our desire to want them to know Jesus too. The result of all this, of this process, Jesus says in John 4, 36, he says, even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life and the sower and the reaper may be glad together. That's the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. One day, we don't know the results. We don't know how many will be touched with the message of Christ, but one day we will know. And one day, those who came before us, who told us about Jesus, and we who are sharing the message, and then we'll end up finding out how many came to know Christ as a result of us being willing to share the message, we're all going to rejoice together. It's going to be a glorious time. It's a celebration. So evangelism is a process, it's a partnership, but it is a participation. And our role, your role and my role, is to have a conversation with someone. We need conversation and contact. God's role is conversion. He's the one that brings the life change. And the only way that we will fail is if we do not participate. Would you stand? And let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for those who cared enough about us to leave their places of comfort and to tell us about Jesus through written word, through their giving, through personal contact, and through your church, Lord. As your church, we confess we're flawed and, and we don't honor you like we should. We don't glorify you like we should, but we're so grateful for your forgiveness and grace and your salvation and you do work through your church. You've given us spiritual gifts. You've given us abilities, Lord. Help us to not waste them by not using them. Forgive us when we haven't talked to others like we should. And Lord, I pray that you use this message today to help us realize the importance of it. To be thankful that it doesn't just depend on us only, that you're working through a process and a partnership, but it does depend on us in doing our part. And so help us to be willing to pray and to be courageous enough and caring enough to talk to someone about you. So help us in this process. Help us to be willing to learn and grow and help us to share this good news. Thank you so much for those who cared enough to share with us. And we trust your process working in and through us and in the world to bring others to you. So we pray, Lord, for our family members, our loved ones, our co-workers, for those who don't know you yet. 
And Lord, we even pray for the persecutors who have a hatred toward us as believers. It's hard for us to understand, but Lord, we pray for them that their hearts would be changed, that they would come to know you because you have spared us from your judgment and wrath through your son, Jesus Christ. How could we neglect so great a salvation? Help us, Lord, to come to faith, to grow in our faith, and to share the faith in the message of Christ. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.